Good morning, everyone. I'll be doing the Bible reading today. Um, So we'll be reading from Genesis 1 and starting with verses 1 to 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And then moving to verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given you every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. How are we today? Good. How many of you got to the car park and thought, maybe I'll just go home and then you change your mind, you found a park, made the walk? How many of you are supposed to be at the footy, but you came here instead? Okay, next, next time maybe. Oh, that didn't work. Do you know, I just, I just realised this morning, as uh, Ronell, yes, as she was reading the Bible reading, that those dark splotches were actually shadows, not a design feature of the slide. Oh, that's terrible. I need to remember that for next time. Now, you can also tell that the, um, the slide that I created, I did about 6am this morning, when I realised I don't have a, a title slide uh, so all you design tech kind of people are cringing at my graphics and my artistic ability. Uh, feel free to send me uh, something better for next week. All right. Uh, so just recently uh, in, in my downtime when I'm sitting on the couch watching TV, I've been flicking channels and I've come across a couple of, um, a couple of shows that I've, I've started to enjoy. Car restoration shows. Anybody, anybody watch those? Yeah. Oh, wow. 
Excellent. Uh, the, the idea, they take a, uh, an old car, a beaten up, broken down rust bucket, uh, and they bring it into their, their workshop. Perhaps they buy it for, a scr- for a really cheap off someone or, or they do it up for someone else. It was one of the ones I was watching. Um, and they bring it into their workshop and they completely strip it down and redo everything, fix it all up, paint it up, make it just schmick. Uh, and then... Uh, either sell it or give it back to the person they were making it for. Uh, the one I saw just recently was a, and the car people will know this, a 57 Chevy Bel Air. Oh, amazing. It was incredible. The end product is just fantastic. Considering what they start with is just a piece of junk. It's, it's got holes, rust holes this size in it. It's beaten up. It's, the glass is broken. There's dents in the panels. The, the one I saw had rats living. It was in a field, and it had rats living in it. Every piece of interior was chewed by the rats, and as they took this, they just cleaned it all out, high pressure, just absolutely brought it back to a shell, and then as they brought it in, another rat still climbed out. It was crazy. Most people would see these cars in the field or in the back of someone's shed or whatever and they would just walk past it and only see rubbish. Something that could just be just put on the garbage tip. But these, these restoration people, these people who know what they're doing, they see this pile of scrap metal from a different viewpoint. They take a fresh look And from this new perspective, they see something completely different. And from this new perspective, something wonderful comes. I wonder this morning if some of us, maybe all of us, need to see life from a new perspective. It doesn't take too much to look around and see the brokenness and the evil the hurt and the pain of this world to realize that something is wrong. You don't have to live very long on this earth before even you and I start feeling a little bit dented and rusty, broken down, perhaps a bit like that old car. We feel like we've been just left out in the paddock to to rust. Life can look pretty bad at times. I know there's some good parts to life. You can look out the window and see a beautiful sunshine. Uh, You can uh, go down the beach at at sunset and watch a beautiful scenery there. Uh, There's good parts in life. But when we focus on the bad, and there's an awful lot of that, you've just got to turn on the TV, read the newspaper, scroll through your feed on your phone, whatever it might be. There's plenty of bad. And if we focus on the bad, we get a particular perspective. And we get potentially by focusing on the bad, a certain perspective of who God is and what he's like. If he's in this world, if he's created this world, if he's a part of what's going on here and it's so bad, that can inform our picture of God. Perhaps as we see the bad in the world, we go, well, maybe God's bad. 
Or maybe, maybe God is powerless to do anything about it. Or maybe God just doesn't care to do anything about it. This morning I want to suggest that if we've gone down that path, perhaps, in our hearts and minds, we've become a little jaded by the world and all that's going on in it, and perhaps even a little jaded, a little, dare I say, ticked at God, then perhaps we need a fresh look. Perhaps we need a new perspective. So my question for us this morning, I have two questions, kind of. It's this, who is God and who am I? Who is God and who am I? And we're going to be looking in Genesis chapter 1. Some of that was read for us. This morning we're starting a new series in our sermons. Uh, We've finished with 1 Peter, so we're starting a new series uh, for the next couple of months or so. It's a series that I think Matt had in our weekly email called Signposting Jesus. That's the the signpost that I had. That's the reference there that had Jesus on it, but you couldn't see it. Anyway, we're going to be looking at portions of the Old Testament and seeing how they point like signposts to Jesus. You see, some people say, oh, I like Jesus. Jesus is good. I like him. But I'm not sure about the God of the Old Testament. What I hope that we're going to see in this series is that the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. And by the end of it, at least, if we read the Old Testament right, that you will love the God of the Old Testament as much as you love Jesus. In John chapter 1, verse 45, it says this, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him. We found him, him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth. Philip found Nathanael and said, we found him. We found the one that the Old Testament has been pointing to the whole time. He's talking of Jesus. See, Philip knew that the Old Testament, written by Moses and the prophets, was pointing to the Messiah to come all the way through and that Jesus was that Messiah. So when we read Genesis to Malachi, we realize that they're all signposts pointing to Jesus. And we're going to start in Genesis chapter 1. You know, we we come to Genesis, and often we read Genesis just as, as stories. You know, you might go through Sunday school and hear all the stories in Genesis, all those great, well known stories. It's easy to read them as stories, and they're written as narrative in story form. But it's also important to remember that Genesis is history, it's not just story, it's history written with an original audience in mind. You know, when Moses sat down to write Genesis, He wasn't thinking of you. So we don't just read it like a story as if it's happening right now. You know when you read those stories and you kind of put yourself there as if you're watching? We don't read it as if it's happening right now. We read it as something that has happened and has been recorded for a purpose for those first people that were to receive it. So those first people. The the people of Israel who had just been freed from Egypt, 
freed from 400 years of slavery where they were treated harshly. All they had ever known was slavery, day after day of hard work, never a day off, never a break, just the monotony of work, eat, sleep, repeat for 400 years. That's who received these first writings in Genesis. They were ruled over by harsh taskmasters, forced to endure the sights and the sounds of a culture steeped in religion, worshipping gods who treated them with no value and no dignity at all. All they've ever known is gods who demanded more and more and more from them until the day they died. And then along comes Moses with a message from the God who is a message of follow me to freedom. And this God that they don't really know yet, he brings them out of captivity, he shows them his power and his might, he takes them through the Red Sea, conquers their enemies and promises them a new land. But one thing leads to another and they find themselves wandering around in the desert for 40 years. Things are not the way they should be. And God tells Moses to write the story of creation. God tells Moses to write to Israel to tell them not just what happened in history, but to tell them about the God that they are being called to worship. How he's different to all the gods that they had known in Egypt and all the other nations around them, and to tell them that he views humanity very differently than those gods. Those gods who are, in fact, no gods at all. I want to suggest this morning that God's purpose for Moses in writing Genesis chapter 1 is to tell Israel who he is and who they are. So let's start in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Like, if there's ever a mic drop, that's it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You see, the nations around and the Egyptian, uh, they had their creation stories. And it's a little bit more than PG-rated, so I'll let you go and read them on your own. So Google Egyptian creation stories, have a read. You'll see a massive difference between the creation story here and the other creation stories of the nations around at the time. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, empty. And darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. There is darkness, there is chaos, and there is emptiness. And what we get in the rest of Genesis chapter 1 is that God brings light to the darkness. He brings order and form to the chaos, and he fills the emptiness. That's who this God is. Verses 3 to 5. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. 
God speaks and says, let there be light in the darkness. It goes on a little bit later in verses 14 uh, down to 19. God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, that would be the sun, and the lesser light to rule the night, that would be the moon and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heaven to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. There was evening and morning the fourth day. God brings light into the darkness. And then he brings form and he brings order into that which is unformed and that which is chaotic. Verses 6 to 10. Lots of scripture reading in this this morning. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. I remember reading this section as a child and trying to picture in my mind what was going on because I didn't know what an expanse was. And while the waters above and the waters below, if we can picture... uh, If we can picture the water, perhaps the water and the clouds, clouds bringing rain as as water, and God creates a gap between the water below and the water above, and he calls it sky, calls it the heavens. God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so God called the expanse heaven, sky, and there was evening and morning the second day, And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. So land comes out of the oceans, if you like. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. God separates land, seas, And sky, bringing order into the chaos. Verse 11 to 13, God fills the emptiness. He said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees, bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. There was evening and morning the third day. He fills the land with trees and plants and vegetation. And then he creates animal life, fish, birds, animals. God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. Let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. God created the great sea creatures. Every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm. According to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas. Let the birds multiply on the earth. There was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. 
God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. It was good. Six times Moses repeats that phrase. It was good. 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 I think there's one more. It was good. I think he's trying to make a point. Repetition to make a point. It was good. Everything God did was good. Why? Because that's who God is. He is good. This God, this good creator. Now, I wouldn't necessarily build my entire theology of the Trinity from the first few verses in Genesis. But I want to suggest they certainly do point towards a God with a Trinitarian nature. We have the God who speaks. We have the Spirit who hovers over the waters. And we have the Word which is spoken. In John, uh, in John chapter 1, the Word became flesh, is the one who was with God here in the beginning in Genesis 1. He is Jesus, the Creator. Colossians and several other places in the New Testament all speak of Jesus being there in creation, being the one who created all things, and without him nothing was created. He was there, the Word of God. So even Genesis 1 points to Jesus. Now some of you might not watch the car renovation, restoration shows, but how many of you watch the home renovation shows? Okay, a little different crowd there. What I love about these shows is you see what it's like beforehand. This, this house, it is sad. It's boring. It's, it's a mess. It's falling apart. It's usually dark or colorless. It's, it's chaos. It's full of clutter. It's disorganized. It's falling apart. Or perhaps maybe it's just empty it's completely stark, there's, there's, it's cold, there's, there's no style. And then the designers and the renovators and the stylists, they come in. and They get a vision of what could be. Color and light, order, there's style, it's life-giving, it's joy-producing, this vision of what this place could be. Just perfect for the family that's about to get the surprise of their life. I want to suggest that Genesis 1 is like the, the big reveal at the end of the show. Welcome. Let me show you your new place. Here's the front yard that's all been landscaped perfectly. Here's your new doors, just the big doors that open up into the, the lounge room, your new lounge room, your new dining room, kitchen, the bedrooms. There's new furniture, there's new appliances, everything. There's artwork on the walls. Wow! It's incredible. Why is it so incredible? Because these designers and stylists 
are good at what they do. They know what they're doing. And the family come in and they're blown away. There's, there's tears, there's wow, mouths wide open. They're so grateful. They're so thankful. This new house is going to change their lives. They can now live with a new energy and new purpose in their lives. After creating a beautiful new world, a world that is good, God brings a family into this new world. And I want to suggest that he creates them to reflect his goodness. Verses 26 to 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. And I want to suggest that in these verses we see that God creates humanity purposefully. In his own image and likeness. They weren't made by accident. Humanity wasn't an afterthought. Humanity, male and female, you and I, human beings, created to be a representation of him in the world that he has made. Do you know why uh, in the Ten Commandments you shouldn't bow down to any image? You shouldn't make any images and worship any images because you are the image of God. In a sense, you are the idol that is to represent God. Now, I'm not saying you should worship yourself either. But you are the representation of God to this earth. Psalm 139 says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that's got nothing to do with what you look like or how well your body functions. Fearfully and wonderfully made because of who you represent. God. Made with honor and dignity and value. Made purposefully. In verse 28, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. He makes humanity purposefully and with a purpose to fill and to rule over creation that he has made. Let me ask you a question. What were they to fill creation with. It's easy to go, lots of babies. That's it, lots of people. Just make more people. He's created them in his image so that they might fill the world with the image of God. To fill the world with representations of his goodness and glory so that the earth would be full of God's goodness. To glorify him as they multiply his image on the face of the earth. That the earth might be filled with the glory of God. 
the God who is good. I want to suggest that Israel needed to hear this message. They weren't made to be slaves for the gods to play with, servants to manipulate and torture, but they were created to rule, given the highest position in creation to rule over creation and not to destroy it or exploit it for their own, their own needs and wants, but created to care for it and to care for one another just as God would care for it himself, as his representatives, ruling as he would rule in ways that are good. This would have been an incredible and almost shocking new perspective for those Israelites to see the world and themselves in. Verse 29 and 30 uh, talks about how God gave them all the green plants for food. Verse 31, the end of the chapter here, and God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. God saw everything and behold, it was not good. It was very good. Literally in the Hebrew, it was good with greatness. It was good, 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 good. Incredible. Amazing. God is good. And humanity, male and female, have been created to be a reflection of God's goodness. You have a purpose in your life. You remember those renovated houses we talked about? Have you ever wanted... I've, I've, I have. I've often wondered and wanted to go back a few years later and see what they look like now that the family's back in their living. In this family that trashed the house before, they get this new, fantastic, amazing place and it's changed their lives. It's going to be amazing. Now we can do all the things that we never could do before. I want to see 10 years later. Once the newness has worn off, once the colour of the paint's faded, once the excitement's died down, do they go back to just being a mess? Uncared for, not treated well, not kept clean and tidy, just left to... Well, I don't know. Maybe as you look around this world, you don't see the glory of creation as God intended. We get glimpses, don't we? We see a beautiful sunset. We see the hills, the mountains, the, the lakes, whatever it might be. We, we get glimpses of creation. But maybe you don't see the earth full of God's goodness, as we're supposed to. You don't see humanity caring for the earth or for one another, as we were created to do. Maybe when you look around, it's easy to get discouraged and to see how things have gone so wrong. Like the people of Israel, not yet in the promised land, Knowing what it's like to be living in a world without value and purpose, maybe you need to hear the message of Genesis chapter 1. Who is God? And who are you? 
God is good. And you have been created with great care and value and as a reflection of his goodness. And when you realize who you are, who you were created to be, that should change everything about your life. What do we do about it, though? Is there, a, is there a takeaway? Is there an application this morning? I want to suggest there is. It's simply this. Remember and reflect God's goodness. If you only go away with one thing this morning, walk out the door with this statement. Remember and reflect God's goodness. Firstly, remind yourself, remember, remind yourself that God is good. Keep that as a constant thing in your life. Start with God, not the circumstances of your life. Find your foundation in the goodness of God and then interpret everything else from that. Don't start with the circumstances and interpret God through your circumstances. Start with God is good and then interpret everything else through that. Start in the right place. So find time and ways to remind yourself that God is good. Secondly, find ways to reflect his goodness to others. Find ways, look for opportunities, make moments to reflect his goodness to others. And I want to give you two simple little ways to do this. First one is gratitude. Be thankful. Be thankful. Look for ways to say thank you to other people and to be thankful for for things that we have. Say thank you to your friends, to your parents, to your co-workers, to your children. Be thankful for the little things in life. There's a lot of new books out there at the moment about how to be healthy and mentally aware and all sorts of different things. And you know, most of them start with gratitude. It's not surprising that God actually thought of it first. It's good that the rest of the world is finally starting to catch up. Maybe you want to keep a a gratitude journal. People have talked about how awesome it is at the end of the day to sit down and just write three things that they're thankful for today. Could be little things like clothes, food, a roof. Could be bigger things. Gratitude. Become a thankful person. First one's gratitude. Second one is this, generosity. Look for opportunities to give to others. Look for opportunities to give your time, to help, to give encouragement, to give gifts if that's your thing. Find ways to show kindness and care to others and be generous with it. Not not giving it and then hoping to get the thank yous as they come, but just no expectation. I'm just going to give and bless because God is good and I'm reflecting that goodness. God is good. And you and I have been created in order to reflect his goodness. Would you pray with me?
Father, the words just can roll off our tongues so easily. God is good. You are good. It's not, it's not saying, Lord, that you're nice, that we like you. It's that, that foundational, your nature, you are good. You are goodness itself. And so, Father, we thank you that you are good. And because you are good, we can trust you. We can count on you. We can worship you. We can live our lives from that knowledge that you are good. That all you do is good. And so by way of response today, we just say thank you. Help us to be people of gratitude. Lord, you've given us so much. Lord, as we come to communion, we remember and recognize that you've given us the greatest gift of all, your son, Jesus. And so we give you thanks for him too. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.